Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. That's right. Power hour on a hump day here inside the locker room. And we are joined by the great Jim Wexel, Steel City Insider, editor, author extraordinaire. But more importantly, he's our buddy. Mm. And And he comes by. He's so gracious every Wednesday to stop on by the locker room. How are we doing today, Wex? Friendly, kind, compassionate, generous. <laughs> That's all I want to be. All that other stuff, that great, that editor, that publisher, that author stuff. I want to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> That's why today is now Wex Day. Yeah, exactly. Okay. This is what this is Wex Day. Yes. <laughs> oh man, Wex. Well, hey, uh, we appreciate you stopping by. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, uh, you know, there's pebbles and shoes and, you know, there's, there's guys that, that have extended roles and guys and then block uniforms being worn. I mean, there's a lot of good things to talk about here, Wex. Uh, Max, can we start off though? Let's ask Wex what really honks him off since we already had. Oh yes. That is that, you know, (laughs) this has been a great moment, Wex. Now I know you probably have been listening to us from earlier, but we posed a question. I would love to ask you, and I'm going to ask Charlie this as well. Um, a, a question was posed on television earlier on uh, on NFL Network, and they were answering it and said, what is one thing that makes you irrationally angry? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I've been accused of that lately, very lately. <laughs> But I'm going to – I came here with love today. You know what really honks me off the most is when I come on a radio show with spouting nothing but love and I get asked what honks me off. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you're in a good place, we take yeah. you back to a bad place. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. But uh, anyway, I just got out of a locker room, and uh, we were talking football in there. <laughs> with Quan Alexander and Elandon Roberts. So that was fun because those guys, you know, when they're backups, they're good. They're they're really uh, energetic men. I mean, they're – and they like – they don't mind talking to us. Mm. And they've got a lot of insight. Anyway, Quan is going to get the green dot as the three-down signal caller okay. to replace Cole. 
I think that's kind of what we expected because of the coverage flash he shows us. And uh, Elandon uh, just said uh, the only uh, real dif- the only difference is that uh, there's less versatility and less things they can do with three that they could uh, be a little more creative. But uh, now it's more traditional, and he's the run stuffer, and Quan um, is run stuffer and pass coverage guy. And um, you know they have Keanu Neal for the dime, and um, Mark Robinson, man. Landon Roberts was really, really talking up Mark Robinson about how prepared he had been every week mm. as if he was going to play. So he has no uh, qualms about uh, his preparedness level. Uh, so they're excited about Mark Robinson, too, as I am. I, I think anybody that's watched Mark turn from running back to linebacker is excited. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that's kind of interesting to me, if you take – Pro Football Weekly scores at all, which I have issues with, but you know it does give you some relevance. And his that would be a Landon Roberts coverage grades have been consistently coming up, which tells you that um, well, you know what? Could you work it in effect where he replaces Cole Holcomb or Quan does, and 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 you've got a Landon getting some of the things that Quan did, and you bring Mark Robinson in for the you know the headbanger a Landon Roberts role. So it could still be a pair and a spare, but of course, you know, the two of them together have always, they, they are remarkably tough guys. I mean, when I see those guys play, I love watching them. I can never get over the preseason when Spencer Brown, I think it was, that's his name, the right tackle from the Buff Bills, came on a three trap from the tackle position and Alanda knocked him on his keister. All six foot eight, <laughs> 330 pounds of him. And I looked at that and I went, now that's a guy that likes to bang, man. That was impressive. But go ahead. The first play of the first play of training camp, he put some rookie into a neck brace. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. And then and, and uh, then somebody else came out to try again, and and the next day Jalen Warren put Elian Roberts on his back. True. And so that True. made me go, wow, Jalen. Yes. yes. Anyway, anyway. Um, uh, to uh, your point about um, Landon Roberts, uh, you know, pro football focus, which to their credit, they have an eye on every player, every play. Whether they know what they're looking at, they're at least doing more than, than I do. I don't look at every player. I don't run the thing back six times to make sure I get every player. So uh, to, to their credit, uh, they do that. But uh, Landon Roberts was the number one run stuff guy they had some kind of stat about fewest yards after contact Mm. and he was like the runaway leader in the nfl so while his coverage might be coming up um i wonder if that was helped by being in the right situations because they had three to get the situation right for everybody's ability maybe I'm just saying he's a big man. I mean, yeah. we used to question LeVon Kirkland in coverage, too, until he'd get down deep in the Super Bowl and break up pass. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is a big man, so we naturally question his coverage. So, yeah. uh, and But, you know, you saw what Quan did. Quan did a Jack Lambert last week, dropped yeah, way did. down the middle of the field and reached up and picked off a pass. No doubt about it. And, yeah. Max, I'm going to – I just jump in because it reminded me you brought up LeVon Kirkland. I had a conversation with Captain Kirk one time. We were talking before practice, and he was talking about Chuck Nolan. He was asking me questions about Chuck. And he goes, 
do you think he'd let me play linebacker? You know, because he's 300 pounds, basically. And I said, only from a three-point nose tackle stance, bud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that'd you know, be it. What, it. Near the end of his career, I mean, he was he was good-natured, and we could ask him about his weight. And he, it was a constant battle for him later in those years. Yeah. And I remember the first day of training camp, there was like three of us reporters standing around him. I said, so, LeVon, what do you weigh in these days? He goes, I'm down to 405. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he didn't bat an eye. He didn't – it, it, the, those questions didn't bother him. But uh, it was near the end when he was getting a little too big. But, um, you know, he came out as a defensive end out of Clemson. And they projected him to inside linebacker. So, that wasn't an easy projection. You know, it's like Carnell Lake came out um, as a linebacker, and they said that was not an easy projection. So they got lucky on a couple of uh, Blitzberg um, uh, pieces, uh, fundamental pieces for Blitzberg's defense. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, wow. Let's yeah. go back to our team. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's go back to the current team. Even though we are our, in a throwback mood. Because of, because of the block numbers, I mean. Oh yeah, Ooh, perfect, yeah, right. Very nice. <laughs> yes. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. So so Wolf threw out a stat. Obviously, we're th- we're three and zero when wearing the throwback blocks. Um, you know, but I but I do want to just kind of see. Did you have any interactions with Broderick Jones at all? Just talking about because I know Mike Tomlin talked about he's going to get another another shot at right tackle come Sunday um, because of the performance he did on Thursday. Let me tell you, I chickened out on that a little bit. We did, uh, it was a mob around Chukes' locker before uh, Broderick came. And Broderick dresses right next to Chukes. Uh, and they get along well. They, you know, they, they get along well. And Broderick gets along with everybody. He's, he's just a good kid. And, he, you know, he knows what not to say and how to go about the business of being a rookie. And even though he's a, uh, they traded up for him as a first rounder. He didn't sure wasn't entitled. He sure didn't act like it. So he's good with these guys. And so we mobbed Chooks, and Chooks like, yeah, well, I did something in Jaguars games, unfortunate. And uh, you know, and we asked him what, what Broderick looked like. He said he looked great. He can really move for a big man. And Chooks was comp- very complimentary. And uh, so uh, I left, went and talked to Landon, and came back, and nobody was around. There was Broderick. I just didn't want to go up and, and ask him the basic questions about beating out the guy lockering next to him. I just, yeah. so I chickened out, I chickened out. I, I didn't think I'd get any, you know, Broderick is very um, insightful. He's a, he's a good quote. Some of you offensive linemen really are good. <laughs> and what? Uh, I, I like how he said some. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some. <laughs> no doubt oh, about it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Who else so, did you? Uh, oh, anyway, I've I, I talked to Broderick in the past, and he's very insightful, and I probably should have got him. But, I mean, he's playing well. He's going to get another chance. I don't know what else he can say about it. You know, he's beating out the, a friend of his next lockering next to him. So, uh, I just skipped that whole conversation. Sorry. No doubt. Yeah. Now let me ask you, what about Joey Porter? Did you happen to hear any conversation or anybody get around Joey and and listen to uh, anything he had to say? No, Joey wasn't in the locker room. We only had 15 minutes, and oh, I yeah. had to get out of there after 14 minutes. I, I'm talking to a Landon, and my alarm went off to you know to tell me I'm going on the the Wolf Lee Stark show very soon oh. <laughs> to get out get out. <laughs> so 
uh, I did not see Joey. We, we'll get him after practice. Um, I thought what Mike Tomlin said yesterday was very interesting. It was information was passed, and that's rare. Uh, about um, this wasn't all Joey coming to us, and just just right. because he wanted to is not why we did that. It fit the fact that he would have to tackle less. Yes, in, uh, tackle Derrick Henry less. Right, I should, I should add that. And you know, Joey, you know, he's not Deion Sanders. He's not a flyweight cover guy. He's a big physical corner. And he has the grit. He's just not doing it right. Uh, so I think his tackling will improve. It needs to improve. But I thought that was uh, very informative of Mike Tomlin to say, uh, you know, in effect, Joey is uh, not up to tackling Derrick Henry yet. So this worked perfectly for us on all fronts. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I, I think when you look at it, it's like, hey, um, if there's something that I need him, you know, him not be ready for, I think that's one I'm okay with sliding on. <laughs> I would rather him just cover the number one receiver and not allow him to make plays. Well, think about, think about this too, fellas. <laughs> but think about this. He also, but it will, it will get better. Oh, it will. Oh, yeah. But think will. about this. Now, he also referenced the fact that the, the screens were run away from D-Hop. All right, so what you're talking about is eliminating some of the options that he would be involved in that could, you know, depending on the situation, that might be a, a delay in reaction or in physical ability to handle the situation. And I, to me, that's that's just good sound coaching. That's knowing your people and knowing the opposition and not putting your – this is making sure that you're putting your people in the best position possible. And I, I thought that was really rather remarkable, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I really thought that was something substantive of uh, Mike Tomlin to share with everybody. Well, let me let me add this about that. Um, putting people in the right position is the number one uh, item that Isaac Ciamalo, the soft-spoken yet very insightful um, He's wearing left 73, guard. Who, Come on, man. <laughs> I, I, hey, did you see the cut line I put in Steel City Insider? No. I, 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 to go with the Q&A, I put a picture of Isaac Ciamalo the other day, and the cut line said, Isaac Ciamalo wearing the legendary 73 Steelers shirt. <laughs> 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 oh, love it. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, he doesn't talk to the media much, but when he does, he's soft-spoken and very mm. insightful. So I asked him about the run game because, you know, Isaac's playing well right now. I asked him, you know, 166 yards, what did you guys do better? <clears throat> he said, number one, Coach Canada called great plays and he put us in the right positions to do what we do best. Mm. So I don't know if that means that that hadn't happened before, but uh, it, it, it's on both sides of the ball. They, they, cited that you know as you just did with joey mm -hmm. as with uh, you know um isaac isaac went on to say um that darnell washington did a great job that a lot of their stuff was at the point of attack and darnell was was right in the thick of it and uh, he really uh accredited himself very mm. well and then he said, now we've got to get him involved in the passing game mm. so that the defenses can't key. I assume he meant yes. key on them running the ball when Darnell's in there. Right, right, yes. Yeah. 
No, so, uh, you know, that was a very good – yeah, if you get a chance, read that uh, Ciamalo interview. I, it's, uh, it's a freebie on our site. Yeah. He's right. a good guy. Right. He's smart. He's insightful. He, he's another offensive lineman. I'm just so there shocked that offensive again, linemen what? are so insightful. <laughs> when in doubt, when in doubt, you know what I'm saying, just go to the lineman when you need the truth. You know, that, I mean, listen, listen, we don't, we, don't get, we don't get the microphone in front of us that often. <laughs> But when we do, we usually have something to say, and it's usually going to be pertinent, and it's not going to be, you know, just just random random musings. Like we're very insightful guys. We have to know a lot. <laughs> we're just not very pretty. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah we're not attractive. You don't take photos of us, but I mean, before an audio or a sound clip or written media, we're excellent. You can't you can't tell the difference. It's just when you get a camera in front of us, it's a little different. <laughs> Max, you were a go-to guy. For, for a lot of them. Well, you were one of my go-to guys. You were always excellent, yes. always yeah, gracious, no. and uh, you know, except you'd lockered next to Ben, and every time I wanted to know, the, you know, what the dirt on Ben was, you couldn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what, and, and that was also, you know, whether Ben was in his little his little cubby hideout there, in the locker, yeah, he'd just pop out randomly like like a magic show. <laughs> Or you know, but I mean, but I mean, but that, that's also the job of an offensive lineman. You always got to guard your guy at all costs, <laughs> even even in the locker room. You know, you have to protect him. Uh, but yeah. no, Wex. Well, like I said, we we appreciate you coming. It is always Wex Day every Wednesday here inside the locker room, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Um, of course, you can go find all of this stuff at SteelCitiesInsider.com, and you can see all of these articles, and also you get the guest writings and musings of one Craig Wolfley as well on that website. Um, you can also go to jimwexel.com for the authorship portion of his career, the page of love and of happiness and of all things historical that he <laughs> writes about. Uh, Palomaro is in paperback at Barnes and Nobles as well. <laughs> but no, thanks, Wex. We appreciate you stopping by the locker room. And we will see you on Sunday at, at the ball yard. And then, of course, we will talk to you every Wednesday here on the show. All right, we're going to step aside, pay some bills. We'll be back inside the locker room. Charlie Batch, best of the Batch Foundation and QB number 16 on the on the papers, but of course QB number one in all of our hearts. We'll be back after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, back inside the locker room. And I am pleased to be joined by one of my favorite teammates, um, a man who was awesome to me as, as a young fella, learning his way in the league back in 2004 um, and just a tremendous, tremendous man. I mean, when you think about coming from the Homestead area and what he means to the community of Pittsburgh, not only as number 16 on the field, but at Best of the Batch Foundation and what they're doing, the tremendous work that they're doing to really provide um, just so many resources for, for young people. Um, not only from the after-school program to the to the leagues to the STEM program, that beautiful new building that I've gotten a chance to walk through 
down there. It is tremendous. Um, you know, the, the different programs that Charlie has instituted over the, over the past two decades in the Pittsburgh area um, has been just inspiring, a role model for all. Um, sometimes people call him CB. Some people call him Chuck. And even even Chargy every once in a while. You, you'll get that one for those that, that know him best. <laughs> But um, we are pleased to be welcomed uh, into the locker room. Charlie Batch. What's up, CB? Not much. What's going on? I appreciate that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. No worries. Chuck, first of all, let's get business in hand here. You got an event coming up in a couple of days here. What? Tomorrow. Right, you got to yeah, yeah. I know. I'm like all, all of a sudden, I just realized that uh, I was talking to you yesterday, and I think a couple of days. Well, but that was yesterday. So, regardless, you got an event coming up tomorrow night. Take us through it for for. Yes, we are excited to bring in the pocket back, and if people who aren't familiar with it, but this is our annual fundraiser that we have for Best of the Batch Foundation, and it's actually so the the funds that are raised actually helps support our after school programs along with our steam program so we're super excited to bring it back about bringing this back and what we do is try to be creative make it interactive a lot of fun so we do pool poker and ping pong and get the competitive juices flowing for everybody so people will get a chance to come out play against local celebrities along with uh, the Steelers as well so this is something that we get a chance to get uh, excited about because bragging rights are at stake. And I promise you over the years, <laughs> if somebody is playing ping pong and they beat Max Starks, I promise you on the street, when they see you, they're going to bring that up. And I just, oh, you know, that's man. a reminder that, you know, that, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, you get a chance to build a bond, you know, outside of the helmet, but doing it all for a good cause. And we just are so supportive of everybody who believed in us over the last 14 years. Uh, so if for anybody who wants to be a part of it, they can go to batchfoundation.org and they can see all the information on how they can be involved in helping us close the educational gap due to the pandemic. No, and, and I think one of the other big things, you know, is you, you have this interaction and this is something for the people attending the event you get to play against us, and like Charlie said, ping pong. I only did it one time, Charlie, and, and I refused because I got up there and I embarrassed myself. But on the pool table and on the poker table, I was nothing to I was nothing to, to, to sneeze at. You know what I'm saying? Like I brought my own <laughs> pool cue, like after year one, when I realized what it was, and I start and then I started playing some real pool. So it, it's just it's a fun event, but also I mean, like you said, what the funds go to and, and what they are driving for you like you're trying to you know create a bridge where there is a gap and the pandemic taught us a lot about how educationally there has been disparities and kids learn at different paces and I think also one of the other things the variety that you offer like you said through the steam program and the different offerings and the community partners that you have you know I mean the the space if you've never been to it Steelers Nation or people listening out there like it is a phenomenal space. It's one that it, it, it just, it has so many different layers. I mean, not only for the steam aspect, but I think also for some of the emotional development for kids as well, you know, on that top floor, Charlie, you know, there's different aspects of it. I think it, and it's important about the holistic growth of the child. So just kind of talk about some of the different things that are offered inside that building. Cause I think, I think it's a beautiful building. My wife and I donated to it, you know, <laughs> you know, cause, cause we love what you, what you and Tasha are doing. And, and just kind of talk about, you know, just what, what it means to, A, have that building, and then also some of the different offerings that are inside of the, those programs for the kids. 
No, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. And, and you know, we're we're truly grateful in, in the support that we have received over the years, Latasha and I. And it's just great because, you know, right now we, you know, we've been around now for 23 years. We service 3,800 kids annually and we kind of outgrew our space. So we have computer labs and all, different after program events. And we realized we were actually taking every inch of, of, of space in the building. So we knew we had to expand. So we put that process to it and we were able to expand and go from 5,300 square feet to 33,000 square feet. So to do that, man, it's challenging, but, man, the kids get excited about it. And now our numbers are projected to go to over 6,000 kids annually. So this is important as far as our annual fundraiser because this helps support those programs. And when you walk through the building, you know, you have the computer labs, you have the gaming and coding room, there's a gymnasium, there's a dance studio. You know, we're bringing home economics back uh, to, the, uh, to uh, our foundation because, you know, it was taken out of schools and a lot of these kids don't know how to cook. So when you look at where that is and then our, our steam lab that we have, sound studio, podcast room, like music creation, like all of these things are for the forecast or trying to predict what's going to happen in the future. Because the day and age of us growing up in community centers, you know, a ping pong table and a pool table, that was fantastic for us. But that's not where we are in this day of technology. And that would essentially be empty space that the kids would use. So we had to think you know, so far ahead to make sure that we were actually uh, forecasting what that looks like. And the kids are super excited about it. So when people actually walk through the building, you know, they'll be able to see, wow, they're just not an athletic program there. Everything that we do has some type of educational component to it. And we are just, you know, so fortunate that so many people believe in the mission and the vision of what we're trying to accomplish that at the best of the batch foundation. So I say all of that to say, thank you, Max, for believing for us, believing in us after all these years, because we truly appreciate you, Tiffany, Mama Starks, everybody who has been a part of it for everything that we uh that we have done over the years you know charlie it's awesome to hear you talking about this and it, it 20 some uh, uh what 25 some years ago when tunch and i first started the locker room we always highlighted or tried to highlight people that were making a difference in the community who had a heart for the community who poured life into the community and it's certainly been a mission of yours when did the first genesis of the roots of the best of the batch foundation begin to take root and what was it that caused you to jump in and actually gain traction and do something yeah no and i appreciate it. And i think that's you know uh you know we're grateful because i know over the years we, we received the locker room award from you and tunch which was you know truly an honor for us because you know you all are believing in the mission and vision and that was what almost close to 20 years ago so you all been at it and really acknowledging uh the people who have been doing putting work in so we appreciate that uh, but for what we're doing at the foundation, you know, a lot of the, the inspiration comes from the loss of my sister. And mm. that happened back uh, February 18, 1996. And I was at Eastern Michigan and, and, and literally she was caught in crossfire between rival gangs. Mm. And the guy that she was walking with used her as a body shield. And mm. Danielle was only 17 years old and she never had an opportunity to live life. And at that moment, sitting over in Homestead, I said, man, if I was ever in position to give back, I would. And just started to put thought process of what that would look like. And then ultimately going back to school, graduating in 1997, and then hopefully being noticed by one of those 32 teams. And I was able to do that by getting drafted in, uh, by the Detroit Lions in 1998 in the second round. And immediately after that season, January of 1999 is when we started the foundation. Did some one-off programs in Detroit. And then when I came to Pittsburgh in 2002, I really only thought that I was only going to be here one year. And I'm like, okay, let's redirect the foundation goals. Let's do some thing, uh, programming. And then all of a sudden, one year turned into two with, this, two with the Steelers, <laughs> two turned into five, and five was 11. And ultimately was able to kind of ramp up programming that we were doing. 
throughout the foundation and of course the support from not only from the Steelers organization, the Rooney family and everybody else um, who has been part of that, seeing what we have been doing and we're just truly grateful because we don't do this by ourselves. And, and if I were to sit here and tell you that me and, this is me and Latasha solely, I would be lying to you. And it just takes a, you know, a collective group of people to believe in everything that we're doing. So we have thousands and thousands of volunteers who help uh, put things together for us. And then ultimately what you see as people follow it is the impact that we're able to provide for the kids. So we are just truly grateful. No, absolutely, Chuck. And once again, go to batchfoundation.org. You can read up on all of the great things that Charlie's done. Um, and also, you know, kind of tap into what he's doing. Cause I know also that, the, the it, it's almost Christmas time. I hate to say it because I know Thanksgiving is still <laughs> I here. Know, right? I like, know, right? I, 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 and, and I'm that guy that I always get on people that put on Christmas music or holiday lights before you acknowledge Thanksgiving. Like, don't take away my favorite feasting holiday because you, <laughs> you want to have some lights and, and and drink some eggnog. Like, let's get through this holiday. And then Black Friday is when it starts, ladies and gentlemen. But you have the toy drive also coming up after the In the Pocket event. Um, coming up as well. Is there anything you want to share on that information? Well, because I know that process starts a lot sooner because you service a lot of people during the Christmas time season. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. And, and that rant that you just went on as it relates to Christmas lights, all that. Max, you do not want to come over to my house right now because oh, has already, uh, she already has the lights up around the house for Christmas. Uh. So this is one of our favorite holidays and that would, that would take away from your rant. So tread lightly uh, yeah. when you come over here, brother. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, listen, as long as there's collard so, greens uh, present, I'm good. <laughs> you you already know. It. So we'll make, she'll make up for it in, in, in the food department. That's for sure. But I, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, what we've done over the late, over the years, you know, we kill, we have our holiday drive and we collect unwrapped toys and we always adopt families during the holiday time. And last year, you know, we did, uh, we adopted 255 families. And this year, we're now, our goal is going to be over 400 families this year. So it, it takes a lot of support and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of manpower to be able to put this out on. So what we do is collect unwrapped toys, but then we always need help wrapping them, right? So we have a lot of volunteers that come over and wrap companies that come over and wrap. And what we do is, you know, what separates us, you know, we don't just say, hey, here's a toy for one person. You know, we actually have the names of the families that are, uh, that are provided for us because we work with school, uh, the school districts because the guidance counselor and other family dynamics better than we do. So we're provided the names. You have the names, the gendered, and, um, and the address, you know, if they're, they're all, everything for the family that you would have for the, uh, for the parents. And then ultimately, you know, in, in addition to uh, 9 to 11 toys that they all receive, they all receive household items, whether that's a pot set, dish set, silverware set, Swiffer set, basket, produce, um, ham or turkeys, you know, during the holiday time. So we actually provide, you know, that full holiday experience, not just with the toys. And I think this is something that, you know, we take pride in because, you know, to see the whole building transform into the holiday uh, spirit and a lot of people getting into that holiday uh, mood, you know, we're truly appreciative of that. And I think these are things that we, um, you know, that we we look forward to during the holiday time. So, and again, anybody who wants to uh, learn about that or want to be a part of it, you can go to batchfoundation.org. You'll be able to see that, and that that link won't go live until next week once we get out of this, uh, our fundraiser, which occurs tomorrow. And then by next Monday, we'll be right into the middle of our holiday season. Okay, now we got to move on for a moment because the question of the day has been, what honks you off, all right? Because Max brought this up in the very first segment. What honks you off immediately? Your big pet peeve 
what is it max for, for max it's one thing for wes it was you know cars out in uh, in the slow driving in the in the fast lane stuff like that me it's idiots that forget their anniversary because i just did it again this this morning so you know <laughs> these yeah this it's not easy being me let me tell you so exactly. the, the the fact is what honks off chuck batch uh for me it's, it's people who are in the fast lane and are texting and has no awareness as it relates to the cars that are behind them, next to them, get over. First of all, don't text and drive. That's number one. Thank you. Number two, be, be, you know, be respectful of the people that are behind you. Get out of the fast lane. You never know why somebody has is speedy or is in a rush to get to wherever they get to. I've learned the hard way because when you're in a crisis, you, you, I promise you're like, please get out the way so I can get to where I need to get to. So right. be respectful, put the phones down, and acknowledge and respect the road. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you. Yes. Take a bow, yes. Chuck. And Take a bow. Pu- public service announcement as well. PSA. <laughs> don't text and drive. Uh, but, yeah, no. So, mine was, I was talking about airport etiquette, Chuck, and, and I went on a whole diatribe for about 10 minutes. Oh, he about did. Different, he did. Different etiquettes on, airpo- on airport policy. So, I'm appreciative that you, that you had something sensible to say about your irrational anger. Because I feel like it's more rational than irrational um, in, in your statement. All right, Chuck, we do got to turn our attentions to uh, the Steelers. They have the Green Bay Packers coming up. And, uh, you know, in the wake of a Thursday night game, you have a lot of time off. So, a lot of things happening. Um, I, I pose this cryptic question for an answer. <laughs> when, does a, when does a pebble become a boulder? Uh, whenever it consistently ha- continues to happen. <laughs> so at least one, one boulder that we could start to knock down is the fact that they scored on the first drive last week, which everybody was like, whoa, we actually can score on the first drive. So it was truly awesome to be able to get a lead on that first drive, and that's something to build off of there. Let me ask you, Chuck, when you have a young man and you've dealt with wide receivers and, you know, every, hey, uh, the, the, you know, goes back to Swan and Stallworth. They were always competing with going to Bradshaw. I want the ball. I want the ball. There's nothing wrong with wanting the ball. But how do you talk to your wide receivers if the targets are getting a little unbalanced and somebody's feeling like they're not getting their look? Yeah, and those things you you touched on. I mean, these things have happened for years, and now it's just a talking point throughout the course of the week that everybody right. wants to mention. So I've I've been this, I've been around. I've been in this league fifteen years and longer than that. As a, you know, now as a, a media guy, you know, you see it. And the difference is is the fact that there's social media that can continue to talk about it. Right. So there were times throughout the course that you would have a lot of great receivers, and they all want to be impactful on the game. But I would have there would be times during the course of the game I would have to go over to Ben and Ben's focusing on, you know, what he what just happened in the last drive, what plays are we getting ready to in the next series? And I would go to him, I say, Hey Ben, just to let you know, this receiver X didn't get a ball thrown his way yet. It could be the second quarter. He's like, wow, really? I did, I'm not even thinking about that. And then you look to the sideline. I said, all you got to do is look at the reaction on the bench. Mm. And pouty lips, you know, everybody pouting. And it just, you can <laughs> just see it. And then Ben would purposely have to come out of the huddle and say, you want to know what? Maybe I'll throw a quick receiver screen just to get that guy a catch. Or maybe I'll force the ball into coverage to try to get him a catch. Because you're trying to keep everybody satisfied. Mm. That was during the early times of Ben's career. But then as, you know, middle to end, they're throwing a ball 30, 40 times a game, and everybody's capable of being a part of it. Right now, there's not a lot of footballs that are going around that you can have receivers pouting. So purposely 
Kenny's going to have to now say, okay, Matt Canada, we have to now diagram in these first 15 plays that I can get my guys a catch so I don't have to worry about these guys complaining as the game goes on. So I would much rather have these conversations of a receiver wanting to be involved versus a guy shying away from it. And that was something over our years, everybody would, you know, those Mike Tomlin cliches, but that's where, you know, two dogs, one bone. You know, I'd rather say, whoa, than sick them. You know, those type of things. You knew people were actually willing to compete and being part of it. And those type of things as a player you respect. And it's just, a, you know, for us, it just gives us that low-hanging fruit for us to be able to talk about throughout the course of the week. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like, you know, it, it's one of those things that it, it – and I think, like you said, right, when it happens more than once is that's when it's an issue. I mean, one time, you know, once again – you appreciate the energy because also I look at this and, you know, and I'm like, he's still involved. Like he's still doing it. Like he's still delivering, you know, devastating blocks on, on DBs that decide to block him on the run game when it's an outside toss. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there, there's no turn down. So I'm not I'm not worried about it. I think it's something that's that that's yeah, it's scintillating. It's boring. We didn't have a game on Sunday. It was on Thursday. So everybody's <laughs> just scrambling to create content. Uh, going into the week as we start the new fresh week. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, Chuck, and you let me know from your experience of having having to deal with with us big uglies up front, uh, just the job that Broderick Jones did at right tackle and how this offensive line did on Thursday night. Yeah, man, I, I really thought he did an awesome job. I think when you look back at – you know, everything that he did, everybody expected or projected him to be at that left tackle. But, you know, obviously just me watching it from afar, Max and Craig, you know better than I do, you know, that man, right tackle, this guy dominated. And I really love the fact that not just what he's doing at the, uh, you know, at the snap of the ball, but this guy's getting to the second level. I've seen him pull. I've seen him get up to those moving linebackers. And I'm just like, wow, like this guy is impressive, to, you know, as he's moving to be that big and he only can get better because he's scratching the surface. I just don't know how you keep him out of the lineup at this particular point. I know Mike Tomlin said, hey, he's, you know, he's going to stay in that lineup. But, man, this is going to be something that gets us excited about over the next 10 years because the raw talent that we're seeing now, that is very, very impressive at this point. And, Chuck, I got to ask you one more question, last one for me. But do you ever feel like you should get an apology from the officials for the fact that you guys you came in an era when quarterbacks took a lump, that they, they, they get hit, they can get rolled up, you can get pounded on. And in these guys today, the supposedly, you know, yeah, if you breathe on some certain quarterbacks, um, it's, it's a penalty. But back in your day, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a penalty. It wasn't a penalty at all. I promise you, my knees and back, they are looking at me like, what is wrong with you right now? You played in the wrong era. Yeah. So, but, I, you know, and this is, you know, a lot of that comes down to the fight that I had to, that I had to do behind the scenes. And I sat in a lot of those competition committee meetings up there in Indianapolis as I was part of the executive committee for six years with the NFLPA. And you're talking about these things that may, you know, are big for some, but not for others. And then ultimately, when you talk about the quarterback position, because I'm fighting for Ben, because there's a, there was a lack of respect for Ben through for years, mm. because he wasn't getting those calls. And it was to, to the point where guys were, you know, kind of horse collaring him in the pocket. And you're like, what is going on? And you're showing these rules. And then all of a sudden, the horse collar rule came in only because of Roy 
Williams down in uh, the safety for the Cowboys right. because that, that's how he was tackling. And then all of a sudden it became mandated into the league. So these things happen early, you know, way before the season starts, but you have to keep putting in those conversations because, you know, it goes to the buy, you know, back at the forefront, but you want to make sure it stays on, you know, on the top of everybody's radar. So I'm glad that that's kind of where we're at at this particular point, but man, I just, it's very unfortunate right now because I don't know how this, the defensive guys can tack away quarterback anymore because the moment you blow on them and they fall, it's a penalty. And it's hard because if you get a penalty early in the game, you already know what that penalty is going to cost. But yet you got to play another 65, 70 snaps in hopes that you don't have a penalty happen again because you already lost money. And it's just so unfortunate because the way where the fines are at and the play, it's just, it's just so unfortunate. I, feel, I really feel bad for the defense. Yeah, well, and, and turning even on the offensive side, think about Jalen Warren, right, um, and him getting fined you know, for blocking. And then now it's like, you know, that now creates a divide as well for, you know, hey, you know, if you're trying to block a guy and you get and you sustain a penalty while trying to block a guy that's coming free, you know, free off the edge or has seven steps on you. And now you're also asking safety of the game. Now you're going to now it's like, you know, if I'm Jalen Warren and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm getting fired. I'm getting taxed. What's to prevent me from now cutting that guy and potentially injuring a guy? Um, you know, on a play when you're trying to keep the game safe. So it, I feel like it's gotten out of whack. And, and you've been in those competition meetings, Chuck, and you understand, you know, how they're trying to, you know, push things aside or emphasis this and look at this and don't let this pass over time. I mean, you know, even for the offensive guys, there, there, there's, some, there's some challenges and even blocking as well. Yeah, there is. And I don't know you know, how they go about doing it because some of these plays are not even happening. Penalties are happening in, while the game is occurring. They go back and watch the film in slow-mo, and then they decide, oh, this is going to be a penalty. So it's, you know, I just, I'm just baffled at this. But, of course, when you see the amount of fines that are happening, essentially Jalen Warren has played for free in two weeks of pay. It's, it's very unfortunate. And I, I hope that these guys, the players, they see this, and some of these guys, they want to now – you know, want to go up there to those competition committees, sit in those meetings that matter and hear and have their voice, uh, you know, heard because that's the only way that you're going to fight this. And if these guys don't continue to fight, it's going to be, you know, these fines are going to continue to go up. Players are going to continue to be frustrated, but they need to know why these fines are occurring. And if they do that, then you get a better understanding. But if they don't, if they sit back and continue to take it, nothing's going to change. That just encourages these guys to want to go out there and fight these because it's very important in this. I was a player rep. Max, Max was a player rep. Whoop, you were, you were around and you fought the fight. I was all the an way assistant through. players rep. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> but you were you were you were a part of it. And those things, it's a matter of it mattered to you. And yeah. I'm, all I say is the fact that it has to matter to these guys, and they just can't sit back and continue to take it because if they do, they're going to continue to be frustrated. And I feel for a player like a Jalen Warren. You know what, Chuck? We got to have you back on again. It, it has been a yeah. pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for that. You are a Pittsburgh icon and what you're doing, pouring into the community, you and your wife, uh, your beautiful wife, Tasha, uh, just great stuff, man. And I, I urge people to get involved, get behind them because you are doing some great stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you. And again, if anybody wants to be a part of anything that we're doing this holiday season, they can go to batchfoundation.org. And I, so I appreciate the platform and allowing you the opportunity for me to, be, uh, to speak on this. Thank you, Charlie Batch. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. All right. We'll be back with, with a wind-up. It's the Bell Lap with Max coming up after this. More from the locker room.
is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, bell lap time here in the locker room. It's been such a fun show. Uh, you know, I want to also take the chance to thank Jim Wexall, of course, always coming in on Wex Wednesdays and uh, delivering the funny with us. And then, of course, having Charlie Batch, my teammate, QB16, stop by and talk about Best of the Batch Foundation, the In the Pocket event coming to you live this Thursday. That's tomorrow for everybody that's wondering. Uh, but, Wolf, you know, I know we don't have that much time. I wanted, I, want, I wanted to shed a little little kind of aha, but yet a cool moment, you know, okay. and I went on, I went on the X, AKA old Twitter. Um, and I saw this article and I couldn't help but share it. Um, do you know who Judith Love Cohen is? No. Okay. So he, here, here's what it is. Um, she was, she was an American aerospace engineer, um, for NASA. Um, she 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 was she helped in the creation of the abort guidance system that rescued the Apollo 13 astronauts. Is she the one that did all the mathematics and everything like in her head or something to help no, no, bring no, no, oh. no. she she wrote it out. She wrote it out. Okay. Yeah, no, no. yeah, but she was she was one of like those kind of individuals that we we don't think about, you know, in this in this space, but she so she was going into labor and she Ooh. was still trying to figure out her part of the abort guidance system. Mm. The woman took the printout to the hospital while she was in labor and figured it out. Wow. Called her boss, told her, hey, I figured this out. And guess who she's the mom of, a Hollywood actor? No, who would that be? Jack Black. Get out. Nuh-uh. Yes. Jack Black's <laughs> mom was an aerospace agent. And then she ended up, after she retired in 1990, founded a publishing company. She, she founded a publishing company. And produced like 20 books. She authored like 20 books. And of course, one of her famous ones was, You Can Be a Woman Engineer. Um, but Jack Black's <laughs> mom helped on the uh, on the Apollo 13 mission by helping figure out the abort guidance system. That's amazing. Uh, for the astronauts. So wow. I thought that was just something fascinating. That Something like, you know, I did not know, but now I know I was today years old when I found out who Jack Black's mom was. Um, but also what she's meant to stem and to women in engineering like she's an icon and a visionary and having a young daughter you know um that that loves math and loves engineering i was like i can't wait to share this with with my daughter um about her and do some more research to share that with my with my girls because they love it and my my youngest she's she's encoding right now um so i was like oh man i figured i'd share that with wolf to end the show on 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 a bright note yeah, I, I always do a little coating, too, when I'm, uh, you know, making cookies and you put a little coating on top of them. And I think, is that is that what you're talking no, about? No, that is not the same thing. Oh, okay. No, buttercream <laughs> buttercream frosting is not the same as what I'm talking. Figuring out a launch abort code system. Oh, on, on, okay. On a, on okay, a, yeah. Uh, All right. That's spaceship. a little bit, Yeah, that's a little <laughs> yeah, different. Smidge. 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 Different ingredients, same chemistry, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, all right. That is the show. You know, thank you for everyone, like I said, tuning in. You can hear us here every every day during the working week, Monday through Friday, uh, 10 to noon. You know, just remember, same black and gold channel, same black and gold time. You will find us inside the locker room. He's Craig Wolfley. I'm Max Starks. 
Wesley on the ones and twos, a.k.a. the lead ninja over there, Junior Ninja and Training CJ. And, of course, our sensei, Brian LaMartina, keeps this whole three-ring circus going. So just remember, everyone, go make it a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 